Hello and welcome to the Simplicity of Happiness podcast. I'm so delighted that um, I have some uh, young ladies in two different countries that I that I'm allowed to interview today, and uh, these are the uh, two hosts from the Mind Palace podcast, and it's uh, Melissa and Jess. Hello. Hi, it's such Hello. a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing us on. I'm so stoked to have this conversation. Like we were talking before the podcast and the dynamic is already awesome. So this was uh, just in case you didn't recognize it uh, because you know the Mind Palace podcast. This was, uh, this was Jessica. Yes. And uh, Melissa, hello as well. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, the, the, um, the audio keeps on going in and out on my end. That means you hear us or you don't? Um, sometimes I'm getting odd words, but then I'm not getting the full conversation. Okay, if you don't, if you don't get us, just, uh, just ask. It, uh, it might be my German accent. Uh, I, I hope it is not. <laughs> anyway, it's, 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 it's so cool to have you on the show. Um, be, um, because I... I I know you only from your podcast and um, I, I started listening to, to your show because, um, well, I, I'm, I'm so to say I'm jealous because you are featured by the, the minimalists and they are the two guys, uh, Josh and Ryan, who brought me to think about minimalism, to think about simplicity. And, um, and in every second show, they say, well, you have to tune in to the Mind Palace podcast. And so <laughs> oh, I, I wrote you, I wrote you a note and... Um, <laughs> I I want to know why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, how is it that in 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 the Western world, Melissa, you're from UK and Jessica, you're from the United States. And both of you you said, well, we want to focus on the important things in life. Is that right? I don't know, Melissa, do you want to take this one or would you like me to take this one? I only heard half of the question. <laughs> so it is what, like, why are you doing what you're doing? And okay, I, I mean, I just want to say, you know, I think what's awesome about all of these projects, whether you're doing a podcast or a blog or really any art form is that there's no survival, like there's no reason grounded in our survival that we should be doing all of these things. It doesn't give us food. It doesn't give us water. It doesn't provide a shelter, but there's still a very human instinct in all of us to create something. And it's out of a very like soul centered necessity. And, um, I think for me, I'm just interested in learning about what exactly that is and how I can like contribute to the world, but not not in like a self-serving way, but more just in a way to kind of figure out what it is that like I can do to make this place better. Yeah, I think I think that's the same for me as well. And plus, I think we started this podcast and we didn't really know where it was going to go or what it was going to turn into. And then it's become it's become something that I can't go a week without doing it. Like we really miss it when we take a break. Um, and because... Mm -hmm living a well-curated life and being a minimalist it you're constantly working towards moving targets um so it's kind of fun to explore different ways of doing things and challenging challenging yourself and holding yourself accountable I think through the podcast that's been the most fun for me Melissa and and why are you talking about minimalism 
why do I like minimalism? Yes. Why don't you talk about Shoes. all the beautiful things to buy? <laughs> Shoes, yes. Because, oh, I th well, when I first um, like came across minimalism, it was just as I was leaving university and everyone else was going off and getting high-end jobs and working all these hours to buy stuff that they really didn't need. And although I loved fashion, I just really didn't believe in that mindset. And then I came across the minimalists and I, it was just freedom to me. Like it's total freedom. I can, I mean, we still spend money. I still consume, but now I do it by traveling or reading books. And it, it's just a different way of consuming things. And it's a much more mindful and free and slow life. And it, I think it's probably one of the main contributors to how happy I am nowadays is just being a minimalist. And then not only that, but it's introduced me to all you wonderful people. Um, and that's just been amazing too. And, and ha hasn't there been a time when uh, you said you, you, you love, you like fashion. Yes. Wasn't there a time when it adds joy to your life when you buy this beautiful new dress piece of clothes um so, yes and no I enjoy I used to at least enjoy the process of shopping now not so much um I think me and Jess have discussed on one of our shows that I, I feel really guilty now when I shop I don't really get too much enjoyment out of it um I think it was constantly because I didn't feel like I was enough um And although I enjoyed fashion, I don't think fashion is about, is about going out and buying stuff all the time. For me, I enjoy using what I've got and trying to create different styles and different outfits doing that. And that's so much more fun. And it, it doesn't have the big burden of how much money you've got to spend. And also like mm -hmm. fashion is a lot about trends and trends move in and out. And I'm just not really interested in that. I'm interested in finding what I enjoy wearing and you know, helping other people do that as well. Because I think that fashion's very, fashion and style are, are very personal things and it's not totally synonymous with shopping. I actually think it, for me now at least, it sucks out the fun of it because I have to shop in charity shops and I have to really search a little bit more to get my clothes and I have to be a little bit more creative with them. And I enjoy that process so much more. And and how do you satisfy your your desire for fashion now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think I, I'm on Pinterest quite a bit. I enjoy looking at what other people wear. And I'm just really, I'm excited by it. I'm excited by how people dress and how they choose to express themselves. I think it's one facet that, um, that I've learned that isn't just me and it isn't just other people. I, I think I put way too much of my effort into just what I was wearing. Um, and although I still enjoy that and I still enjoy the process of getting ready, it's still like now I incorporate different things to live a well-curated life. It, it's about balancing out all the different areas of your life. And that, that's been the one area that I've tried to, to balance out a little bit more. So I think that I, I kind of enjoy scouring around charity shops and seeing what I can find. And I normally cut things up and <laughs> add things to tops and different things like that. And I also love, I'll read my boyfriend's closet or my sister's. She's got really great style. So we 
share clothes a lot and I do a lot of swapping things with my friends as well so we'll come around and we'll swap mm-hmm. clothes and it's much nicer and plus plus I think buying things second hand there's a little bit more of a story behind it or when you buy, buy vintage pieces there's a, there's a little bit more behind it and you you you, I, I, I wanted to say you earn your money. At least I, I think I read that you are advising other people in the minimal wardrobe as well. Is this correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. It's it's a lot of fun and it, it's a lot of freedom because the wardrobe for me was probably the hardest thing to tackle being a minimalist. <laughs> it, how tough is it? It's so it's so difficult. We, we attach a lot of our emotions to these clothes. Um, and that was something that I, it, it took me years. I think that was the one thing that was, it was a really drawn out process. I'd gotten rid of a lot of stuff, but it took me a while to, to find my niche and to create a capsule wardrobe. And for me to be able to help people to kind of jump step that and just be able to push them to, to create a wardrobe that that suits them and that, that makes them feel good. The fact yes. that I can kind of take down a couple of years of their lives of trying to experiment with that and just do it in one one hour session. It, that feels really good. Yeah. I, I still I still am trying very hard. After I got rid of 90% of all the I mean, I had so much waste. And after I got away from this, my wardrobe got a lot nicer than before. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I can get rid of still 90% of the stuff that I that, that I own. What is your, and I'm, I'm interested now in what is your your one tip that you have for our listeners where or how to start to minimalize the wardrobe? My one tip would be, don't choose what you're going to get rid of. Choose what you're going to keep. Okay, um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's good. Jesse. Um, really quick, I want to say, Melissa's helped me with my wardrobe. And one thing that <laughs> Melissa taught me that I think made the biggest difference in understanding how to own a proper, ca- proper capsule wardrobe that's good for me is understanding that it has mm-hmm. to be comfortable and that um, what looks good on other people or what other people's style is isn't necessarily what my style is. So I might the, like the way that something looks on somebody else or in a magazine, but she uses the word mm-hmm. suits you a lot. And w- Melissa, when you mm-hmm. were using that, that really kind of like shifted something in my mind because there's so many posts online about how to have a capsule wardrobe and you'll have a black button down, a white button down, a black tee, a white tee, like a, a very specific checklist. And I tried that. I actually spent the money on that checklist and it turned out horribly and I was wearing pencil skirts and mm-hmm. heels and it just wasn't, wasn't me. So that's, what's amazing is that like y- you can have a capsule wardrobe and still express yourself yeah, totally. Oh, thanks, Jess. <laughs> yeah, I just had to yeah. throw that one out there. And how did how did you f- find out about minimalism? Or on the other hand, how did you decide to turn your back on consumerism? Um, well, I had I just gotten married. It was 2012, and my husband and I we were living in this little. Um, apartment in a a little downtown area of in in the Midwest in Illinois, surrounded by cornfields, 
And, um, I was living in this little place and I mean, you know, when you get married, you get, you know, you have this gift registry and you get all these nice things. And I, we signed up for that registry and we got all those nice things. And, um, I started, I was kind of thinking when you get married, you're kind of an adult. Well, I don't know about that, but, but at the time, that's what I thought. And, um, so I thought, okay, well, I have to look, I have, my house has to look very presentable in particular. And I kind of started competing Mm -hmm. with others, not necessarily on a, like the way that I looked, but just in the way that my home looked. And, um, it was just, I realized I was competing in a game that I didn't want to play. Um, so I, I was getting rid of stuff already. I hadn't really known about minimalism. And at the time I was going to art school and I was in an art history history course and I was studying Donald Judd and he's a, he's a, an artist, he's an, um, an artist within the minimalism movement. And, Mm um, and I thought it was so interesting that he was constructing these very plain particular boxes and I didn't really like his work. But the word minimalism made sense to me, and I kind of thought, and I wrote, a, I wrote, I wrote a term paper on his work, a final paper, and I thought that maybe what I was doing was also minimalism, but in a different way. So then I searched on Twitter because I was thinking, I'm getting rid of all of these things. It's like I'm, it's the opposite of a shopping spree. I'm going on a, you know, like a purging spree, and it felt just as good, if not better, and. I didn't know what was going on. So I did a Twitter search and then I found Josh and Ryan on Twitter from the minimalists and I started <laughs> mm-hmm. reading their posts and they all just resonated with me. And I, I think that a lot of people might feel the same way sometimes when you find somebody online who's investigating a philosophy or way of life, sometimes it'll feel like they are saying everything that you've been thinking, but just didn't know how to put words to yeah. And um so after that it was that would that was in in the spring of 2013 actually um that I found them and then 6 months later I I kind of discovered that I really wanted to explore the world outside of the cornfields that I had grown up around. <laughs> so my husband and I we packed up all of our stuff into a 5 by 8 foot tra- trailer. We got rid of the rest and we moved to Los Angeles and it was kind of like well Phoenix first and then LA but it was kind of moving around that really showed Mm me um the importance of having a sense of weightlessness in life Mm -hmm. yes moving around was the reason that made me rethink the books I owned <laughs> because they get so heavy when you have to carry them once a year in a new apartment. Yeah. After moving to, to Los Angeles, I was, I, I mean, I love the feeling and the looks of tangible books, but I know that I don't think I, mm-hmm. I don't think I could ever stay in one place probably for longer than five years. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty long. So yeah, everything's on my, on iBooks now. I still love books, but I just hate to carry them five stories up and down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's easier to move books if they're in like in an iPad. And, and plus you can borrow <laughs> from libraries. There's so many different different ways of having those books. And, and plus, I mean, traveling, like you're saying, I mean, traveling and li- just living in different places can give you such a broad scope of life in the same, in a very similar way that books can. But I think that sometimes you can, it can even touch you a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. 
Jess, you were talking or you were mentioning um, minimalism quite sometimes, whereas uh, Melissa, you said a well-curated life. Um, if somebody has never heard about these two ways of um, setting priorities in life, how would you describe these two different words, sayings? Oh, that's a good question. Do you want to take that, Jess? Do you, do you want to take a word? Um, sure. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's much of a difference between them. What do you think? Well, if I, I'm just very spontaneous. Um, you are talking about minimalism. So there are, um, minimalism can be something negative as well. You know, there are some people, every time you ask them to do something, they do, they just do the very oh, minimal. So they are never overperforming. So you could see it as something negative. And uh, now you tell me about that you live a minimalist life. So I could think about, well, so it's a lazy life. You don't want to overperform. You don't want to perform. I mean, what does minimalism mean to you? Um, I, I can I can try and take tackle this one, Melissa, if you want. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, minimalism. I think I think that like minimalism, if, if you're taking it as a as an opportunity to do the bare minimum in life, or if you're just practicing like going through the motions of minimalism, it can feel really dry or like going to an undecorated dentist's office or the DMV or something like mm -hmm. that. And I think what's really important oh. to remember is that um, it's removal of the excess so you can focus on what is really important to you. So that what you do have mm -hmm. in value, you really do strongly cherish. And, um, you know, so you can make room, but then after you make room, there's always the after the minimalism. Um, I, I work with Josh and Ryan at The Minimalists. I actually, I manage their social media sites as well as minimalist.org. And um, one of the biggest questions that I come across on their social media networks is how to handle life after minimalism and how to handle things after they've gotten rid of the excess. And I think that that's one of the most important parts of the philosophy is like you get rid of all the stuff. Yes. And yes, that is a struggle. But then most people that I talk to who are involved in minimalism, they're not that interested in it probably about five years afterwards. Not that they're not interested in the concept, but it's just that once you get to a certain baseline of what you need and you don't need, then the focus shifts a lot less on what you need and don't need because most of the time you have that for the most part down pat. And it's more so about what are you focusing your time on? So it could be mm, minimalism means less of less of the waste, less of the distractions, and more of the fun. Yes, and more more of the fun, more of the luxury. Melissa and I we recorded an episode a while ago on luxury and minimalism, and how how living mm -hmm. a life of luxury is not not different from living a minimalistic life. They can be one and the same, but it's a matter of where you derive your luxury from. Mm. I thought a while ago um, about uh, materialism and um, I, 
I, I was struggling to find the right words and I, because I was uh, thinking about recording a, a podcast about materi materialists. And I think if you are a real materialist and if you really value all the materials that you put into a product, then you can only become a minimalist because you can't throw away. And so if you give value to something, then you will not buy the cheapest crappy thing you find but you will buy something that can last because you you value the the materials that are in the product mm -hmm. yeah you will invest yeah yeah absolutely so and 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 if you think that everything doesn't cost anything that you can reproduce everything then buying is not worth anything because you can just throw it away and buy something new but this for me that means that you never gave value to what you owned or what you used you just take it as granted and life is not i think absolutely absolutely it's something that's really changed for me in the last couple of years and melissa i know it has for you too because you have a really strong like uh, economical approach to that yeah definitely I, th i think it's hard because i think that it's a balance between looking after your stuff and caring for your stuff but also not putting too like too many of your emotions into these things because I think that that's a lot of the time where I was going wrong with my wardrobe and things like that you get you get attached to these things and although I think it's important to use stuff up and to to really invest in things you know like if something happens to it I think it's important to still have like that level of detachment where you think okay this isn't the end of the world and I think that that's one area that minimalism kind of brings in you know I think I think it is a lot more about the balance mm -hmm. how do you feel that you reached a balance how do I feel that I've reached a balance yes um I think that for me at least I try and buy as many of my things as I can secondhand um And that, that makes me feel a lot better that I'm not contributing to, to making all these new things and all the production costs and the environmental issues that go into that. And then, um, that's, a, that's a good question. I think that I've tried to invest in items, but also not put too much of my emotions in these items. I think that I've tried to, to balance my time a lot better Um, that's something that minimalism has helped me to do and for me it's just being able to slow down a lot and to find the space between getting rid of stuff because I think Jess touched upon this before about life after minimalism because that's kind of when it gets hard you know you're left with all this time and what do you do with it <laughs> What and do you all do that with money all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all the money you end up with yeah um I think it ends up naturally being a much more balanced lifestyle I think people see it as being something extreme and it's really not um it's a very peaceful way of living and I think that balance is constantly something that I'm striving for and I don't always get there um but I try I try <laughs> Can you give me can you give me an idea about a perfect perfect happy moment in Melissa's life? What makes you really happy? What makes me really happy? Two different things. Um, 
traveling for me is a big happiness boost. I love exploring and finding out about new places and new cultures. So I think learning, learning and exploring is something for me that if I can spend my day reading a book or listening to a new podcast or watching a new movie or exploring, um, that's something that I really, really enjoy doing. Then there's spending time with friends and family. Um, that's that's really important to me, connecting with the people around me and my family here and also my minimalist family online, taking the time out to really connect with people who have the same values as I do. Um, yeah. And does it ever happen to you that you get caught up in daily life and caught in, 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 man in managing stuff around so that you don't find the time to travel, that you don't find the time to read a book and that you have the feeling that you are stuck in the moment and you get frustrated? Yeah, definitely. I think that moment to moment okay. is quite And hard. now the important question, what do you do to get out of there? Oh, what do I do to get out of there? I try and be in the moment as much as I can. I think that it's it's really nice to enjoy going traveling and to be doing all these extravagant things. But also, as Jess has said before, luxury is in the mind, you know, and you can mm -hmm. make things as enjoyable and as useful as you want them to be. You know, I'm always going to have to do the dishes and I'm always going to have to clean the house. And I don't always feel that I'm in the moment. And there's sometimes mm -hmm. when time gets away from me, And I feel like I've wasted a lot of my time. I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. You know, we want to utilize our time mm -hmm. the best we can. Um, and that, that I think that was something that I struggled to find the balance between, you know, trying to trying to contribute and to doing the podcast and to working and stuff, but also balancing time that I need for myself and for my family and other things. I think that to get myself out of that. I'm and really how do you get yourself How do you get yourself out? What is the one thing, the moment where you see, okay, it's not going the way I planned? Like as a tip to our listeners, if they have the same feeling, what is the the magic trick that you can pull that moment that gets you out of there and focus on your family and your balance? Um, focusing on my senses, I think noticing my breathing, noticing the air around me, what I'm doing, um, and taking the time to, to really immerse myself in that moment, you know, thinking mm -hmm. about the smells and the things that I can see, um, and then like reassessing my priorities. So I think stopping is the first thing that I do. And then oh, yeah. after that, I'll think, you know, is it useful what I'm doing? Is it useful for me nourishing myself? Because sometimes taking time out to do certain things is good because everyone needs to take a break. And then mm -hmm. other times it's, you know, I've just mindlessly lost a couple of hours on the internet and that's not good. Um, and then reassessing my time and my priorities and how I can move into the next moment a little bit more intentionally. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I, I for me having something along the lines of the mind palace has been like one of the biggest things that helped me, um, I guess like reassess the minutia of life, you know, like when you're getting gas or you're getting groceries or you're doing laundry. I mean, of course I, you know, I implement a sense of mindfulness there, but like for when I'm in a rut though, um, I think it's important to establish, I know it sounds like such a, 
like corporate masculine word. And it's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I guess it's not the perfect word for what I'm saying, but just, but having a mission though in life or having something that, as Melissa was saying, keeps you accountable. And for me, like that is the podcast. Um, and you kind of remember the person that you want to be all the time. Cause I mean, like, I mean, Flo, I, I know you understand this too. When you have a podcast, you don't, you're not a perfect person and nobody expects you to be. <laughs> no. Right. <I'm> <laughs> but at the same time though, you also don't want to be like a hack, right? I mean, like when you have a, you know, a crappy day or having a rough time, you want to respond in the same way that the people who are listening to you would think that you would respond. So I think that it's mm-hmm. like an important thing to hold yourself accountable in whatever way that works for you. And for me, like it's the podcast and trying to be like the best person that I'm, that I need to be in life and in in that whatever situation that I'm in. Yeah. The best that you can be. You, you just uh, said that um, you're working on the person that you want to be. How did you find out what or who you want to be? I, I didn't yet, but I don't think I will. I think that that's a moving target because mm-hmm. um, we can tr- kind of try on all of these different outfits and costumes to kind of figure out what works for us in life and who we want to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that changes. And maybe I'll try... Uh, an approach to life on and then it doesn't work out. So then I take that off and I don't want to do that anymore and I'll try something different. So I think it's a moving target. I think it always changes. I think that like our circumstances in life always change. So I think we have to adjust course all the time and kind of Mm -hmm. reassess who we're becoming and if we like it or not, if it suits us. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think you're. I think you're right with with that. Um, I there was a time when I when I was setting very clear goals, like I want to reach that one mountain, and um, then I had the problem that uh, well, either I didn't reach the top. Well, I had I had a great time getting there, but I didn't reach it, and then I felt like a failure, or I reached it, and then the big question was what's what's mm-hmm. now. So I thought more of, hey, I want to find out about a direction that I want to go. Do I want to go south or do I want to go north? And if I go south, then there might be a mountain, there might be a desert. So the way I am is changing. Um, but the very important thing for me was that there was a time in my 20s where I thought that I should be somebody that other people expected me to be. And then there came a time when I had to think about myself, who is the one I want to be and not what others expect me to be. And um, I'm wondering whether the two of you had similar experiences or whether this was, um, whether you were never distracted by what your parents or society (laughs) wanted. Definitely. I definitely felt like that. Um, I think for me, it was more my teenage years. Um, Mm -hmm. I think you're always kind of, there's this need to fit in and that never goes away. And that's why I think surrounding yourself with people who you aspire to be like and who have the same values and who inspire you to be a better person 
I think that that's probably one of the best things that you can do because knowing that you belong in that kind of circle is really important because I I guess in ways we do live a kind of extreme lifestyle, even though it doesn't feel that way for me now. Um, Mm -hmm. Other people do find it quite extreme. And I think that that was... That was definitely tough. And I didn't tell people I was a minute, not that I would go around going, oh, I'm a minimalist, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't really tell people for a good long while. I was, I was kind of worried about what people would think because I think especially being a girl and being into fashion, you know, people expect you to want to go shopping. And I think right now me and Jess don't drink. Um, so there's, there's, there's certain things that kind of puts barriers in certain social situations and I really struggled letting go of them things. And I think that I've kind of created a life for, for myself now where that mm-hmm. where I can feel like I can belong, surrounded yeah. by people who really support me. I think that that's really important because you, you have to find your tribe like that. that that's going to be something that is going to expand your life and expand your mind in ways that you didn't even conceive of I always think that the best thing that ever happened to me was meeting Jess because although I was a minimalist you know I always wonder what my life would be like if that hadn't happened if I hadn't created this family this tribe around me of people who support me I think that yeah that that that's tough and I think that everyone goes through that stage in life where you are someone that other people want you to be and then I think Mm -hmm. eventually especially if you're a minimalist or if you come into minimalism it kind of strips away certain layers of yourself and you have to build yourself up in different ways and you have to kind of showcase your personality a lot more mm-hmm. and and build yourself up from that point because it's a lot of stripping things away um, and creating a new you. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm asking uh, asking myself why while we are talking is um, that there's, I, I see people as people and I think that the person that I'm talking to is, well, it's just the person that I'm talking to and I never differentiate whether somebody is 20 or he or she is 50 or whether it's a man or whether it's a girl because I think, well, everybody is on his own way or her own way unique and they need to find out what matters most in, in their life. Um But still, in our society, I very often see that that men or women are pressed into certain role models or roles. And um, um, since I I do the career service for the for the business school, there are very often very young students, and I see that. The men or the guys there, they well, they are pressed to well become somebody, find out what you want, and then be it. And the girls, very often, they have to struggle with their shall they become a family woman or not? How do they manage this? How do be? How do they stay the young and pretty one with a guy on the right side? And what is since you have experienced that, what is your tip? If somebody is listening now and that, and she's a girl and she is 20, 21, and she feels all that pressure from maybe grandparents, parents, friends, school, society, and the job, what would you tell them how to find out what they really want? 
Um, I would say go out and explore. Like find the things that excite you and just follow them. I think that the people around you who don't agree, I think there's always some reluctance whenever mm-hmm. you're doing something new. You know, I've I've got a few friends that are vegans and people who are minimalists and when you first sort of come out as a minimalist or a vegan, there's always going to be that little bit of pushback. You know, people don't know what to think about it or what to, to say to you. Um, and I think that it's a lot about reassuring them that you're living a life that that you love. But I think first and foremost, you just have to go out there and explore and experiment, read books that excite you, listen to podcasts, watch movies, meet new people, do anything you can to to surround yourself with inspiring beings and inspiring things. Mm-hmm. Jess, what do you think? That's a really fantastic question. You know, I think I have to agree with Melissa. I think also just putting yourself in places where you're uncomfortable is a really good, um, like a yes. good measure of growth. And I know it's it's been said so many times and, um, like it's, it's almost, it's almost a tired saying, but at the same time though, I can't think of a better answer other than putting yourself in a place where you feel kind of uncomfortable. Because ultimately when you're doing that, you're testing out, um, I think you're testing out your, like your virtues, your value system, or like what you believe or who you are. You're just, you're putting those things to the test and, I also think that it's really important to keep an open mind to other people. <clears throat> and um, I listen to loads of podcasts and read blogs and stuff like that. But I don't I don't agree with everyone that I listen to. As a matter of fact, like I purposely put myself in, in situations where I'm having to listen to people who I disagree with. But it's not not because I want my mind changed every single time, but sometimes it does change. Sometimes it doesn't, but I think it's really important to expose yourself to different Mm -hmm. ways of thinking. So at least even if you disagree with the way somebody thinks or the way somebody is doing life, um, you at least understand where they're coming from. Like, and to me, just having like testing out your own values, even the most important values that you have, especially those, that's been one of the most important things to me because either it helps me reestablish why I do have those beliefs or I realize that I'm wrong. And I think both of those (laughs) things are a really great way to grow and understand who you are and what your perspective is on life. (laughs) You know what I just thought about that, um, um, I, I'm on my way to, to Sahara next week or the, 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 the week after next week for one week Sahara, I call it adventure seminar. And I do that because there is nothing <laughs> and everything that you n- want to take, you need to carry yourself. And it's the same with Zanzibar. Zanzibar is so poor that, um, you, you, you can't buy most of the stuff that is surrounding me here in, in, in Berlin. And I thought, well, we should, we should get all these minimalists together and we should make a minimalist conference, like in the middle of Sahara with nothing. <laughs> You're completely leaving your comfort zone. And then we spend a week. And if we want to eat something, we have to collect some firewood, make a fire. We sleep outside under the stars. And then we can think about what do we want in our life when we go back to civilization? Um, and we take only 
like like we're starting with nothing and what do I want to add from now that there's nothing? I think there could be some great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not I'm not adverse to technology, but I'm also not adverse to taking it away for a while and seeing what happens. Yeah, yeah. And um, technology so often is a mean to make your life easier. We were talking about the books and we it seems like all three of us, we love to read, we love to educate ourselves and we love the books. And now that we have technology, we can take a thousand books and a Kindle with us. So it's actually making our life easier and that we can have the podcast now and talk to people all on, all over the world. It wouldn't be possible without the technology. But on the other hand, if you became a slave of the technology, you can't do it without. It's... um. Well, it's not adding joy to your life anymore, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm I'm a huge advocate of like going on technology fasts if possible, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, and like, you know, I do social media work for a living, so I, it's it can be really hard because you kind of <laughs> see the good and bad. You see you see all of it, you know, and and there's so many good things that it brings to the table. And then yeah. it also does expose a lot of the flaws of humanity. But I think that's what's yeah. amazing about it. It's like an experiment in human like race of saying, what if we give them all the opportunity to talk to each other, then what will happen? Yes. And there's so <laughs> many good things happening. There's so many bad things happening. And it's, I think it's fun to watch. I think it's fun to see it unfold. And more importantly, I think it's important to see what we can do with it. Because I mean, with Melissa and I, like we met because of Twitter, you know, and um Really? Yeah. We, I mean, we were just following each other and I direct, I, we followed each other and then I direct messaged her and it was the first thing I asked her. I just asked her if she wanted to start a podcast. We had never even met. We didn't need nothing. I didn't even know like if she would be fun to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know Thanks. me either <laughs> well you didn't i mean i could have been a giant i mean can i, I don't know can I, I don't know if i can cuss i could have been a huge jerk you know <laughs> like, okay i could have been a huge <laughs> asshole and we had no idea and and that's the thing is like it's connecting us with people although i mean right now you're in germany melissa's in the uk and i'm in the united states amazing and what's so cool is yeah. that we've established this community of support Mm -hmm. I have one question regarding the future to both of you, and I would like to have an answer of uh, each each one. Imagine we meet again in 30 years, having our minimalist conference <laughs> somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and we are talking about um, our last 30 years. Tell me about the the person you are and what have you done in the last 30 years? Holy That's shit. Such a good question. <laughs> But very intense though. <laughs> Do you want to take oh. Imagine that we have, we have some, we have, uh, we have friends, they bring their kids, their grandkids whatsoever, and they have no idea. And they see these people 30 years older than they are now. And like, okay, how did you get there? What are you doing for life? I mean, who are you? Melissa, do you want to go or would you like me to go? No, you're, you're taking this first. Oh, yes. okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I hope to say that I've traveled. I think I'd like to say that I hope, mm. I hope that I'd have kids. Oh, yeah. Probably. Um, 
but I think if you someone, have kids and it, you have traveled. Yes, but I think because it's I, all imagination now. It's what will you tell me? I, you know, I I would say I hope that I'm so excited about what I'm doing then that. I'm too busy to talk to you about that than I am to talk to you about the last 30 years. I think that's the best answer I can give um, because I really want more importantly than, than there's a lot. I know that, that we like, I feel like I can get so caught up in trying to accomplish or saying, this is exactly what I want to do in five mm -hmm. years or in 10 years. But to be honest, like I don't have any of those plans I'm kind of interested in, in where I'm at right now. And I'm a really big fan of letting things grow organically. And, um, and Melissa and I have done that a lot with a podcast where we'll make, we'll make one decision and we'll see how it works. And if it doesn't work, then it'll change. And I'm not, I'm not committed to any one idea or way of life or anything. So I think it's important to um, follow your gut, to follow your intuition And to pay attention to how you feel about life as you're maneuvering around it and as you're making decisions. So mm -hmm. um, I just hope to say that I'm following my intuition and I'm on my next adventure. And I'll hopefully be telling okay. you about um, a trip or something I'm working on then or in the next couple of weeks or months or something like that. Because that to me, like when I see the vitality and people who are in their 50s and 60s, like that's what I want to be. No matter what um, I would like to do that brings me that vitality, I'm not mm -hmm. sure, okay. but I just know that I want it. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> it's not going to be at our house that we own for 30 years. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> So, Melissa, what about you? Um, I think I agree with Jess a lot. Um, I don't have an exact idea of what my life would look like then. And I think that that's something that really excites me because if I even think about this year and what I imagined for my life this year, it looks nothing like that. I am constantly so surprised by life and where it takes me. Mm -hmm. And I hope that in 30 years' time... I am looking back and thinking, wow, oh my God, like I, I couldn't have expected any of that to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just so grateful. I think that, you know, that there is certain things that I would want, you know, I, I do want kids. I would love to travel more, but I hope that in 30 years time, just like next year's time or next week's time, I'm looking back and I'm going, geez, like I did not expect any of that to happen. I hope that... Mm -hmm things that are spontaneous happen to me and that I'm just taken along for the ride because I think that we can be sometimes so focused on what we want our lives to look like that we forget that it's all a journey and we just at each moment we'll have to make the best decision that we can make I, I think it's really hard to try and imagine your future that far away because one I don't want to be disappointed <laughs> if I don't get there And two, I don't want to miss out on stuff that would have been amazing because of having rigid ideas of what I want my future to be like. I just hope it's a surprise. Okay. So 
It's going to be a surprise adventure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Very you cool. You know what? I have to say one thing that will be happening is Melissa and I will be sitting in rocking chairs wherever we're at yes. in the world podcasting over microphones. Um, you know. Yay. Yeah. And, and, and wearing house slippers and, you know, well, I mean, hopefully not at that time. Maybe when like, we're like 90, like wearing house yeah. slippers and, you know, making sure mm -hmm. we have our dentures incorrectly so we can have a good conversation. <laughs> And and uh, if I'm still around, you you can uh, you can invite me yeah. via. Yeah. Um, uh, Set us up for an interview. Let's schedule it now. But, you know, you know, twenty sixty around there would be great. Actually, I think January. So hold on, hold on. How do you say? How do you say in English? The um, you know, in uh, Starship Enterprise, where they can make the picture, so you see the people three D. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know. I don't know much of Star Trek. You'd have to like ask. holo. It's hologram, hologram, something oh, like, like hologram. this. So it's <gasps> yes. That would be so so cool. the podcast. <gasps> so the podcast will be. We will sit in the people's home place because they just put on the projector, and so we sit there and have the they have the conversation in the rocking chair, although we don't see each other, oh and uh, we will talk to the people in their living room or wherever they live. Then. Well, as long as you're actually blowing my mind, I think that that's really exciting. That's why I'm like excited about the future because we're living in a in a period of time where so many new technologies are coming out. And when I think that to what like I was like when I was a child, you know, I didn't have an iPad or a MacBook. All these things have come out within our time of living. And to think what it's going to be like in 30 years time, like, we could, we could be in holograms. We, like, we could do that. Maybe we could transport ourselves over the other side of the world. Well, But as long as yeah. other people are okay with seeing me, like, in a hologram, in, like, sweatpants and a hoodie, like, that's oh, yeah. totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I put that in my calendar. Um, The uh, 26th of September, 2056. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we have to somehow, uh, somehow meet no, again. That, work, that sounds perfect. Hey, I have, I have, uh, I have one last question. Of course. If um, if you have one person who is an inspiring person to the two of you in question of living a simple, happy life, who would that be? Well, so you take this one. I took the last hard one first. What was this? Was this the most inspiring person? Mm -hmm. Yes. Most in, in my life right now. Yes. I mean, um, if I should, if I, who shall I, who shall I interview oh, next? Okay, I see. Oh, okay. That one's a little bit easier. Ooh, Go on. That, that's a that's a good one. I think you know I've got to say Jess. Like I know you're interviewing Jess right now, but it. For the top of my list of people who inspire me and push me and hold me accountable and really just give it to me straight. Like she's a really close friend who will tell me exactly what she thinks. And I really value that because I think sometimes we can spend way too much time just kind of holding ourselves back, you know, worrying about how people are going to think about things or how people are going to take things. Whereas me and Jess are always really upfront with each other. We push each other, we force each other to grow um and that that's probably been one of the most fundamental things for my life aside from that who inspires me it's it's quite hard because I get inspiration from so many different people in so many different places yeah well that's that's fine if your number one is uh, is uh, Jess then um uh, we can see if we just uh, set up another another conversation just the two of us and 
there's something that I would talk to you um, in more detail about. This is how to cultivate your passion. I've read that somewhere <laughs> that uh, you are helping people about uh, cultivating passion. And um, well, if you like, um, we can have another conversation just about this, how to find this out, how to cultivate this and what are your tips and well, how to get started with that process. Uh, yeah, that would be, that would be so much fun. And I have to say, I don't, I mean, when you're talking about, especially in the world of simplicity, I don't mean to, um, I don't, Melissa, I'm sorry to copy you, Oh my God. but you know what oh, though, but it's true because the thing is, I mean, the other day I called Melissa and it was about like a really personal matter and I didn't, and I, I asked her if I was wrong, you know, and the thing is, is like, you need friends that she said it in a really good way. You need friends that aren't going to blow wind up your ass. And I really love and appreciate that. I think that, um, like having that friend, like that person there that will tell you when you're wrong, you know, somebody who will like really give you a good reflection of yourself is a really important thing. And that's what we do for each other, you know? And I think that if you, if you do listen to the podcast, like you'll kind of hopefully hear that, that we try to challenge each other and give each other a reason to think or a reason to change mm -hmm. each other's minds. And that's like, I think that that's, what's really important. That's what gets me excited is, um, just having the opportunity to have somebody like have somebody in my life that comes from such a different place, um, and can teach me something. But I mean, you know, outside of that, I think that this is a really good question. And I don't know if this is about interviewing next, but I have to say that like, for me right now, um, I really enjoy listening to Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast on big magic or Brene Brown. I really love listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. I love listening to the Chris Kresser podcast. He has a podcast about health and the gut and the microbiome and autoimmune mm -hmm. disorders. Um, but that's, what's amazing is we have all of these people accessible to us on the internet to influence us and to inspire our lives. And we can pick and choose who's in our inbox and who's in our newsfeed or who's in our podcast playlist. And, um, I think that doing a good job, keeping that well curated and making sure that you want to be like those people is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. Okay. Yeah. That's a, a perfect sentence. For the end, for the end of the show, I would say, I, I loved talking to you and I see that we have to somehow make a series out of this. So, um, I guess I have to have you back somehow, um, and keep talking about, um, your point of view because it's, um, well, it's enriching my life as well as I hope the listeners life as well. I will put your show in the show notes and um, what is your favorite way to get in contact with you? Twitter. I love Twitter. Uh, 140 characters. It's, it's minimalistic, which is great. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that Melissa and I both like to be candid there. The podcast is on Twitter as well. Um, yeah. And you can find all of our social media hand, handles at the mindpalacepodcast.com. Um, Okay, I put the I put the podcast uh, in the show notes and the direct links to your Twitter accounts and the podcast Twitter accounts so that people can get there with only one click and listen to your great show as well if they want more of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're so <laughs> kind. Oh my goodness, this is so much fun. I can't wait for us to go on like separately too just because 
this is such an enjoyable conversation and I love, I love your questions. They, um, they really cause me to stop and really think. Thank you. You were great guests. Um, I'll keep listening to you and, um, I, I hope to see you soon here or there, wherever we travel. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure will. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Flo. Take care. Thank you.